welcome everyone to this, the most recent in our series of Employment Espresso Pods, the series where we take some time out to have a coffee and chat about a topic of interest from within the realms of employment and HR law. I'm Tim Lever and I'm delighted to be joined today by one of my associates from our employment team here at HSF, Sean Greenley. Sean, what's your beverage of choice today? Hi Tim, um, I've got a nice cup of Yorkshire tea. An employment tea pod today. Perfect. I've got a, my usual strong latte, so uh, they'll see us through. So today's going to be a little bit different to our usual approach. And it's basically just Sean and myself wanting to open up to a wider audience uh, the conversation that we've been having throughout the course of the last month. Uh, and the relevance of that month, of course, specifically, is that it's been Endometriosis Awareness Month. Now, given that this is at least loosely an employment law related podcast, we're going to be having a look at this a bit later from an employment law angle. But equally, if not more importantly, is the issue of raising awareness of this condition. Uh, And that's a particular topic of importance to you, Sean. I mean, you approached me a couple of weeks ago suggesting this podcast uh, to focus specifically on endometriosis. Uh, Are you comfortable with explaining to our listeners why the topic is uh, so important to you? Yeah, of course. So, I wasn't really aware of the condition until around 18 months ago. And then um, I became very aware of it because I was diagnosed with having it. And this came after seeing a number of different medical professionals for a number of years and trying to work out why I was feeling so unwell and then so much pain and certainly not until too long ago, I didn't know how to pronounce it. So uh, that was the first hurdle. (laughs) to get over. You, you and me both. <laughs> um, and I think had I been a bit more clued up on the types of symptoms to look out for, then maybe I'd have received the diagnosis a little bit sooner. But um, a delay in receiving a diagnosis isn't something that's uncommon, unfortunately. It normally takes around eight years to be diagnosed with endometriosis. And once you've been diagnosed, there's sadly no magic cure to fix all of your symptoms. It's just about managing those symptoms. And having supportive colleagues can make managing those symptoms alongside work much easier. I'm very fortunate that I've had a number of colleagues um, that have shared articles or podcasts with me that share other individual stories about living with the condition. And they were extremely useful for me to come to terms with the diagnosis and learning how to adjust. So that's why we've decided to open up the conversation. Um, I hope this will be one small step to hopefully increase awareness and might make uh, some difference to either one of our listeners or one of their colleagues today. And the themes from this discussion, I think, are quite relevant to a number of other conditions, um, including conditions just affecting um, individuals assigned female at birth, such as um, polycystic ovary syndrome or um, the menopause or issues with fertility, which can, of course, affect men as well. yeah, and I think that, I mean, the, the themes are highly relevant, aren't they, to, to the topic of gender equality in the workplace. And while in, in recent years we've seen some good progress on, on that and it's been long overdue, there's still quite a long way to go. Uh, and at least in part being able to talk openly and honestly about some of these what might be quite difficult issues to discuss is, is a helpful step in my view. Um, 
We've spoken on this podcast and elsewhere uh, quite a lot in the past about the challenges of intersectionality when it comes to prejudice and discrimination. Uh, in this particular instance, uh, the intersection between gender and health might present a real barrier to equality to some women. Uh, and that's what I want to explore a little bit more uh, later on, whilst hopefully dispelling some of the myths along the way with your help, Sean. And from a more legal perspective, as we're going to come on to discuss, um, limited awareness in the workplace of these types of conditions risks discrimination claims, uh, either on the basis of sex or disability or that more difficult intersectional approach, uh, both of them. And, and arguably, uh, and just as importantly, from my perspective, is the risk of creating serious issues around retaining and supporting women in their career development. I mean, this is a timely discussion, Chan, as we reach the end of Endometriosis Awareness Month, and it's evident that some progress is in fact being made, not just domestically, but internationally as well. Uh, you and I just discussed the other day, having seen the Australian Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, having announced that in the 2022-23 budget, uh, 58 million Australian dollars will be provided under the Australian National Action Plan for Endometriosis. Uh, and the Prime Minister, when announcing it, said he'd seen firsthand how debilitating the condition can be for women as his own wife has the condition. Uh, but many of us, uh, myself included until relatively recently, are, are completely in the dark as to what the condition is and what the challenges are uh, that individuals face who have the condition. I mean, Sean, do, do you mind giving us a little bit of an explanation as to what endometriosis is? I mean, I had, I had heard of it before we'd had our discussion, but really I didn't know enough about the details and and you shared those details with me so i thought our listeners might benefit from the same explanation yeah so endometriosis is essentially the name given to the condition where cells similar to those in the lining of the womb are found elsewhere in the body so and it can be just about anywhere i think um i'd read somewhere that endometriosis type tissue had been found um in the brain and the in the lungs so it, it really can be um, anywhere in the body, but this results in chronic pain for those suffering with the condition. Uh, it's recently been categorised by the NHS as one of the top 20 most painful health conditions, and there's no cure for the condition. Um, it's about as common as diabetes and asthma in the female population, but as I said, despite all of this. I only had really limited knowledge about the condition until a short time ago and I'm sure I'm not al alone in having known quite little about, about the condition. Well yeah, I'm, I'm sure that, that the lack of awareness more generally in the population is, is actually part of the issue which is what this Awareness Month is about. Yeah, even even though it's quite a common condition, as we said, affecting affecting about one in ten women, only around half of the population know what the condition is. Endometriosis UK, the charity, found that only around thirty one percent of men can identify it from a list of gynecological conditions, for example. Um, it's also been found that just over half of those aged 25 to 34 would be concerned about discussing the condition with their employer if they were taking time off due to painful periods or chronic pelvic pain. I mean, those are some, some pretty challenging statistics, actually, particularly that last one about half of people aged 25 to 34 being concerned about discussing it with their employer. Um, I mean, 
how might it affect people in, in the workplace, people who are suffering from the condition? So endometriosis is often incorrectly associated with just pelvic pain. Actually, the impact can be much wider physically. Um, as we said, there's the chronic pain and that, that might occur on a daily basis for some people. There might be bowel and bladder issues, severe bloating, crippling fatigue, nausea, dizziness and um, infertility. Um, and the, the symptoms vary significantly between women. Um, for some, they may have very limited symptoms and for others, it could be completely debilitating. But, but that's just the physical impact. I think emotionally, having a chronic incurable condition is quite challenging for, for many individuals and can lead to people experiencing mental ill health. It can impact relationships. I saw this morning program last week that was discussing the symptoms and impact of endometriosis and that was really interesting in discussing the psychological impact. So if anyone's wanting to find out more about the condition from a medical perspective, then I'd suggest having having a listen to that as that was quite interesting. In practice, though, this means sometimes being unable to work at the same capacity as others in the workplace it can mean taking time off for surgery or for appointments. It could be trips to A&E on really bad days due to completely crippling pain. And I think quite importantly, it's just a general uncertainty as to when is going to be a good day or a bad day. The impact of endometriosis in the workplace was discussed during a parliamentary debate in February um, and having read the, the notes from that discussion, some of the stories that were shared during that debate were really quite upsetting actually. Um, it was discussed how women had shared that they felt that they could not progress with their careers, that they found obtaining employment in itself quite difficult due to gaps in their employment as a result of taking time off work, for surgery and such like. Um, some women said that they were dismissed due to a high amount of sickness absence and or were dismissed due to alleged performance issues. Um, in addition to that, there was also an inquiry conducted by an all-party parliamentary group that found that 55% of sufferers had taken time off as a result of endometriosis, 38% were afraid of losing their jobs, and 35% had reported reduced income as a result, and one in six had reported having to give up work altogether as a result of the condition. So it seems to me there's a real sense of misunderstanding or perhaps maybe as a result of that misunderstanding a slight lack of compassion for women who are suffering with the condition. Um, I can certainly see a situation where if colleagues were aware of what the individual might be experiencing they might think that the individual is simply unreliable or lacks motivation to integrate with the team for example if they have to skip social events or work from home a lot or they're not performing as well and that that could lead to some of those situations that were discussed in the parliamentary debate around um, performance issues being raised at work and such like. So, so is that unawareness of, of colleagues is something what maybe we'll come back to in a second but uh, do you mind me asking you how it impacts you on a day-to-day -day basis? Of course so I think I'm still learning how to live with the condition. It's kind of a nuisance that's at the back of my mind quite a lot of the time. I'm lucky that since I had 
surgery um i'm not in pain anywhere near as much as i used to be but i do, i don't know when the symptoms and the pain may suddenly flare up and when it does depending on the severity of the pain i might need to i might not be able to complete as many tasks during that day or I might need to stop working on that particular day altogether and I think that lack of certainty is the hardest issue to deal with. It's currently an incurable disease um, and finding ways to deal with the pain seems to be kind of trial and error. Um, so that's quite challenging. I think flexibility is the most useful and most important way in which you can learn to live with the condition though. That's flexibility from the perspective of the individual, but I think flexibility from the perspective of colleagues and, and managers is equally important. Uh, and, and I suspect that that's going to be easier to do and understand if colleagues do, in fact, know about the condition and, and the fact that you're suffering from it. I suppose it's going to be easier for them to understand why someone with the problem may not be able to give advance notice of when they might need to take time off or or uh, you know might need a little bit longer to complete a task uh, and that position of knowledge I guess enables a bit more advanced planning for potential cover or a bit more lead time for a task to be completed maybe an ability to resource teams in a way that they can be more agile to to ensure that we can triage to pick up urgent, urgent work and, and that sort of stuff um, so I think it's, it's not just knowledge, is it? It's, it's, it's understanding. It's not just knowledge of the team, it's the understanding of the team. I mean, from what you're saying, Sean, it sounds like a lack of understanding from others might actually also impact quite significantly from the emotional side of things as well. You're citing some statistics there about the psychological and mental impact of, of having the condition and the way in which people react to you. Yeah. I, th I think that's right, but I also think it, it's an inherently awkward subject to discuss and uh, some women might feel uncomfortable or nervous about discussing it initially uh, and that, that could be for many reasons, either because they're afraid of negative repercussions, which you'd hope wouldn't, wouldn't be the case in, in reality, or because they don't want the person that they're actually having the discussion with to feel uncomfortable about talking about female reproductive health issues. But I'd be interested Tim, to know what your views are as to what you'd say to women that might be nervous about having such discussions with their managers. Well, I guess, I mean, from my perspective, one of the key focuses for any manager should be on ensuring that they encourage and foster an environment in which their teams can feel that they can discuss sensitive issues with them without fear of judgment or embarrassment. I mean, that's part of the job. Uh, it's an important part of the job that managers should take seriously. But, but we are all different, and I appreciate that it isn't always the reality for all managers. So I guess there will be a degree to which it will come down to each individual to identify the right person, uh, their employer, with whom they feel most comfortable to open up the conversation. I mean, you and I first talked about your condition about a year ago. Uh, and from my side, I could completely understand the nervousness to discuss it. Uh, and that will likely be made even more difficult where, as in our case, the manager is a man. Um, but I'd also try to give some comfort in saying that in approaching the conversation with me, the way in which you did, explaining to me the condition and how it affects you, that made it much easier for me to feel that we could have that really helpful two-way conversation where I wasn't going to 
inadvertently blunder into saying the wrong thing, or if I did, that you would be understanding of it. Uh, and I think that sort of honesty between us uh, really helped the conversation to flow. So a little bit of empathy on both sides is likely to be the key here, in my view. So, I mean, just talking about that from the, I guess, employment law perspective, being nervous about saying the wrong thing. Uh, pop your employment lawyer's hat on now, Sean. What, what are going to be the legal pitfalls if, if people do or say the wrong thing here? So with endometriosis, it's, it's quite a complicated situation in terms of the legal framework. It's quite difficult, I imagine, for employers to navigate. Endometriosis is, is not a deemed disability under the Equality Act 2010, unlike some other conditions such as HIV or cancer. So to be a disability, it would have to be determined that the individual has a physical or mental impairment that has a substantial adverse long-term effect on their ability to carry out day-to-day -day activities. So if a woman has been diagnosed with endometriosis, which in and of itself may take some time, and that individual's symptoms do indeed prevent her from carrying out day-to-day -day tasks, and the effects are more than trivial or minor, and it's likely to last or has lasted for 12 months or longer, they may be classified as disabled under the Equality Act. There's the added complexity, though, that the endometriosis itself may not be a disability, but the mental health implications and mental ill health of that individual um, may mean that that employee is disabled under the Equality Act. So for those whose condition is a disability, an employer must ensure it avoids being discriminatory and must make reasonable adjustments. Yeah, OK. And as you say, that's quite challenging, isn't it? Particularly in circumstances where an employer may not necessarily know the individual is suffering from the condition or the impact it may have had on their mental well-being. But legal liability is just one risk. For me, there's a wider risk around employers missing out on what is an extremely valuable part of the talent pool by failing to retain an important proportion of the female workforce. I mean, what, what sorts of steps from a practical perspective might it be helpful for an employer to take to help employees with endometriosis? I think first and foremost, it's about creating an environment that encourages disclosure of, of these types of conditions so that employees feel able to disclose the impact that it might be having on them. There are many ways in which that could be achieved. For example, that might be having certain individuals that champion supporting women with endometriosis like you might do to raise awareness of mental ill health. It could be educating managers on the symptoms or certain uh, certain individuals might take it upon themselves to take an interest to research and learn about endometriosis to support their colleagues or direct supports. But I think only once you've created an environment where women feel able to talk about the condition and the impact it has on their work, it becomes easier then to determine the steps that you can take as, as an employer to support your workforce. As I said, the condition affects women quite differently. So you need to understand what you can do to help that individual specifically, rather than just taking a, a broad brush approach. But in terms of the types of modifications that you could consider as an employer, um, and you, you can flex those depending on 
the resources, the employees' role and those type, types of symptoms that they're experiencing. You could think about flexible working to reduce working hours of the employee or place of work, such as allowing um, for home working, discussing with employees whether certain tasks or projects would be easier to manage alongside the condition, relaxing dress codes, allowing time off for medical appointments, and those sort of things. But with making any of these modifications, you'd also need to ensure that you're treating the rest of the workplace fairly and not discriminating against any other groups of employees. Yeah, that's pretty helpful, actually. Thank you. Um, just coming to the end of our chat today, what, what are we asking our listeners to do with the information that we've shared with them today? So I hope that our discussion today has allowed those listening just to have a think about ways to foster a more inclusive environment when it comes to discussing female health issues such as endometriosis where employees are encouraged to talk and, and be open as to um, how these types of conditions might be impacting them and i suppose the chances are someone in your team probably suffers with a condition so we said it's a common condition affecting one in 10 females. So I, I think just ha just having that time to reflect on ways to become more inclusive um, is really what we're asking our listeners to do. That's, that's very helpful indeed. I mean, I guess we say to our listeners that if anyone wants to discuss any of the points that we've raised today, particularly from the legal perspective, then they should feel free of course to get in touch but please do also seek out some of the widely available materials to help explain in more detail some of the challenges of living with endometriosis and, and how you can help uh, in particular please continue the conversation in your own organizations uh, for now the coffee has run dry uh, and it's time to seek out a refill so a big thank you to you sean uh, in particular for sharing so much of your insight and own experiences today and i'll say on behalf of both of us a goodbye for now to our listeners cheers <laughs>